going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Hello, everybody. Big thank you to Madison and Morgan for recommending today's case. It takes place in Pennsylvania. If you guys have a case that you want us to cover, make sure you email it to us. I still sometimes see recommendations slip in through DMs or comments and stuff like that, and we don't really ever check that kind of stuff. I mean, we do check comments on our uh, social media accounts, but messages, we just get so many. Right now, we have hundreds of cases on our list, but we are always welcoming new suggestions. So if you have something that you want to send us over, please send us an email, goingwestpodcast at gmail.com. That is the best way to get in touch with us. Yes. And sorry for everybody who has left us different messages you know, we probably did not see them, and I apologize for that. But if you do send us an email, those emails get vetted, and we see them a lot easier. Yeah, sometimes I like happen to look at DMs and messages, and I'll catch a couple, but it's more rare. So thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you again to Madison and Morgan, and let's dive into this one today. All right, guys, this is episode 306 of Going West, so let's get into it. got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode, The Jordan Harbinger Show, a podcast you should definitely check out since you're a fan of high-quality, fascinating podcasts hosted by interesting people. The Jordan Harbinger Show covers such a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. And there are a ton of episodes that you're going to find interesting. Jordan is super charismatic and well-voiced, so I loved listening to his recent episode with Susan Casey called Unraveling Mysteries in the Ocean's Darkest Depths. It was so creepy and interesting, and he goes across every category with other episodes like Romance Twister, My Mister Once Dated My Sister, or his monthly Skeptical Sunday episodes about controversial topics from crystal healing to cannabis to Ouija boards. There is something for everyone. We really enjoy this show, and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or a search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. In June of 2020, an 18-year-old Amish girl went missing during the walk home from her Pennsylvania church. Within the first few weeks of her disappearance, while putting together eyewitness accounts and surveillance footage from the area, 
police were able to unravel the devastating truth about what really happened to her. This is the story of Linda Stoltzfus. Linda Sue Stoltzfus was born on November 18th, 2001 in Bird in Hand, Pennsylvania. I wonder if that has anything to do with that that old saying, uh, bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. No, it, it actually is. I can't believe you guessed that. Yeah. Very it's, interesting. It is a census-designated place, and it was named after a hotel in the village that is named after that phrase. So you're, wow. you're completely right there. Nice. So Linda was born into a large Amish family, including parents Susie and Lloyd, and nine siblings named Sadie, Ada, Sarah, Anna, Susan, Stephen, Eli, Lloyd, and Luke. That's a lot of siblings. Oh, yeah. So before Linda was born, her family settled on a large farm property in rural Pennsylvania. And the family has lived there ever since, where they belong to the Old Order Amish Church. And for those who don't know, Pennsylvania actually has the largest population of people of the Amish faith in the United States with about 89,000 members. Yeah, I actually went there one time and I was super surprised to see horse and buggy like basically all over the roads. Oh yeah, it is huge. And there's actually a lot of misconceptions about the Amish, including that they are not permitted to use electricity. And this belief is based off the tenets of the religion, which are faith, family, community, and simplicity, because they believe that the rejection of modern conveniences, such as phones, televisions, and farming equipment, bring them closer to God. However, these days, many Amish families choose to opt into some contemporary amenities, including generator-powered electricity for refrigerators and indoor appliances, as well as indoor plumbing. They are also permitted to ride inside cars, although not in their church clothes, remember that, and driving cars themselves is frowned upon. So like Keith said, lots of horse and buggy. So basically, according to our research, maintaining a simple, modest life is of the utmost importance. The famed Leicester County, Pennsylvania, in which Linda was born and raised, also nicknamed Amish country, is really characterized by horse-drawn buggies and known for its homemade goods, crafts, and food from local Amish farms. Linda grew up attending parochial school, which are small private schools governed and taught by local members of the church. She was known to be quiet and studious, and she centered her life around her faith and her family. Linda was also pretty tall for her age growing up, eventually standing at 5 feet 10 inches tall, and used her height advantage to play volleyball with her peers. Outside of school, she enjoyed attending youth group and diligently helped with her family's household chores and also farming responsibilities. A local farmer who shared land with the Stoltzfus family remembered, quote, There was no talk of makeup trends, dreams of owning a Benz, or the latest album by the weekend. He described a polite, kind, and warm teenage girl who had the innocence of a child but wisdom beyond her years. While Linda was shy, she was always happy, and she seemed pretty content simply tending to her duties on the farm, especially since, you know, this was the only life that she knew and she was exposed to. Her grandfather recalled, quote, Linda was just different. She was special. I love every one of my grandchildren, and Linda just conducted herself differently. 
While the rowdy grandsons keep me busy, there's Linda. She'd just be gently reading a book on the couch. So after graduating, Linda was working as a tutor at a local school for children with learning disabilities because she just loved helping people and she had a loving nature about her. And she was really looking forward to getting married and having children, which is something that most people in the Amish community do between the ages of 20 and 22. And at the time this story takes place, Linda was just 18 years old. So that type of life change was supposed to just be a few short years ahead of her. On Sunday, June 21st, 2020, which was Father's Day, 18-year-old Linda attended church as usual. She did have youth group later that afternoon, and something that she usually did was return home after church and before youth group to change clothes, and that's what she would have done that day. But Linda stayed late at church, like after the rest of her family and the parishioners had returned home themselves, but she stuck around to wash dishes in the church kitchen. Lillian Ebersole, who was another church attendee, is believed to be one of the last people to have seen Linda after church that day. After walking outside, the two chatted in front of the barn for a while before parting ways. And Lillian remembered Linda walking down Stumptown Road and toward Beachdale Road in rural Upper Leacock Township. Lillian recalled that she was wearing her formal church attire, of course, consisting of a white apron and white cape over a tan dress, and that she was carrying her shoes and walking barefoot. Now, as the day progressed, her family was really confused why she hadn't arrived home because they knew she was going to come home to change her clothes before youth group, and they knew that her formal church clothes were still missing from her bedroom, so it's not like they had missed her. She, she had not come home yet, and they knew this. And her friends, who were waiting for her at youth group, assumed that maybe she wasn't feeling well and that she was skipping their meeting that day because they didn't know that her family was also wondering where she was. But when evening fell and she still hadn't returned home, her family began to panic. You know, punctual and responsible Linda was not one to go unaccounted for. So in the early hours of Monday, June 22nd, 2020, the next day, the police were summoned to the Stoltzfus family home to begin investigating her potential disappearance. Later that same day, volunteer groups were organized to commence searching for 18-year-old Linda alongside the fire and police departments. One neighbor described, quote, People were scouring the neighborhood, people down along the creek, people in canoes, you know, just everywhere. In the first 24 hours, authorities and volunteers searched via drone, ATV, by horse and on foot, accompanied by dogs as well, but to no immediate avail. And by the end of the first day of searching, a vigil was held for Linda by her community. Now, police initially entertained the idea that Linda had grown tired of the Amish lifestyle and maybe she had just simply fled the church. As they do. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of us have probably seen um, Breaking Amish, which is a very popular show about people leaving the Amish communities. So the police are just kind of thinking maybe she's, you know, she's a teenager. Maybe she just ended up leaving. Yeah, it's a natural first thought, but... Yeah, so the lieutenant leading the search efforts explained, quote, Not all family members are aware of what their kids are thinking, so that's why it's important to touch base with friends and maybe there's a backstory or maybe there's, you know, a desire to do something that the family members weren't aware of. And of course, while some people do depart the religion, about 90% of people born into the faith stay in it. 
And it just, it didn't really make sense for Linda to disappear in her church clothes and without any other belonging so randomly. Yeah, exactly. But police were so convinced of the possibility that they took the only known picture of Linda and photoshopped her into plain clothes to mimic what she may look like if she had fled Amish country and was dressed in something other than her church clothes. Photos are mostly discouraged in Amish culture, and there was only one to work with. But you can see her face quite well in it, so luckily they did have something to spread around to get people searching. But her family maintained that something was wrong, and that Linda was simply not the type of person that would leave like that. Lillian Ebersall confirmed that Linda was, quote, a very content person who was happy with her lifestyle. She had never shown any interest in leaving Leicester County or her religion, and she wasn't known to be engaging in any behavior considered illicit by the community, such as having like a cell phone or a boyfriend. Her closest friends were questioned by police, and all of them agreed that she would have never left on her own accord. Linda and her friends had gathered on the previous Friday evening, and her friends recalled that she had been in good spirits and that she was acting totally normal. Thus, the police affidavit alleged, quote, during interviews with family and friends, it was determined that Linda loved her family and would have no reason to leave unexpectedly. The following day, which was Tuesday, June 23, 2020, the search expanded to include Enterprise Drive and Old Philadelphia Pike in bird in hand, in addition to the roads in which Linda was known to have been walking that day. Linda's community combed the surrounding farmlands, of course just hoping to come across any trace that she had left behind that could lead to answers of where she was. But there was still no sign of her. The day after that, which was June 24th, the FBI joined the search efforts as well, and they brought with them a $10,000 reward for information. So with this, Billboards brandishing the only photo of Linda's face dotted Route 30, which in this area runs through Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and New Jersey, and missing posters papered Leicester County and the neighboring county. And in a lot of missing persons cases in modern day, as you guys know, families will start like GoFundMes or they'll start Facebook pages or Instagrams or TikToks to help spread the word. But her family was very unaccustomed to one, using computers, and two, using social networking sites or social media sites. Yeah, I mean, it just wasn't, like, commonly used. And still isn't. Of course, some Amish people do use computers, um, but someone in their community did use computers and was familiar with social media. So they made a Facebook page to help spread awareness about Linda's disappearance to even more people. A statement made on behalf of the family on the Facebook page read, quote, now that the primary and secondary search of the local area have been completed, the primary way you can help Linda right now is through prayer. On June 29, 2020, so over a week after Linda went missing, police announced that they needed to speak with anyone who was walking down or driving on Mill Creek School Road, Stumptown Road, Beachdale Road, Gibbons Road, or Mill Creek Road between the hours of 8 a.m. and 4 p.m., determining that Linda had likely been abducted within a 15-minute window on Father's Day. The search expanded yet again on July 1st, and police and volunteers also swept each area at least twice to ensure that they weren't missing anything. 
So growing frustrated at their lack of findings, Lieutenant Matt Hess, who was the public information officer for Linda's case, said, quote, there's only so many times you can search the same area over again. So in addition to ground searches, hundreds of tips were pouring in. With that, police began questioning locals in the Amish community, just attempting to put together a timeline. One couple walking down Amish Gap Road that afternoon, around 1.30 p.m., recalled seeing a young Amish woman in the passenger seat of a car. They waved to her, as they always did to other members of the community, but she declined to wave back. The couple was really curious about this because she was wearing traditional church clothing, which as Daphne mentioned, was not permitted inside cars, as well as a black head covering, which was not actually part of their traditional church outfits. When the couple was shown a picture of Linda, they confirmed that they believed that it was Linda that they saw in that car. They then gave the police their account of a small red car with a male driver. Backtracking from where the couple believed they spotted Linda in the vehicle, police started scanning surveillance footage from nearby homes and businesses. And crazy enough, one local who actually lived in the nearby East Lampeter Township had just installed new cameras on his property and caught something crucial on them. The man recalled, quote, it's horrible, absolutely heartbreaking but said that he was also thankful to be able to make the footage available to investigators, adding, quote, I've always had cameras everywhere we've lived. When we put cameras up, we never thought anything like this would ever happen. They were able to track the video and were able to actually see what happened and review the video and be able to get pictures and a positive ID. Very surprised. I never expected anything like this to happen in this neighborhood. So alongside this man's footage, with the public's assistance, police were able to glean security camera footage from five different sources, which is kind of amazing because you wouldn't really think that there would be all this security camera footage in that area. I mean, it's, it's rural country, this is Amish country, but somehow they got all of this security camera footage. Well, and luckily they did because if they didn't, I don't think they would have a case against their suspect, the suspect we're gonna get into in a moment at all. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this really broke this case open. So with the help of the FBI's computer forensics laboratory, investigators spotted a suspicious vehicle on video footage in the 500 block of Beachdale Road. At 12.42 p.m., a red sedan could be seen traveling down Beachdale Road, and it appeared that someone was sitting in the front passenger seat. The car was identified as a red four-door Kia Rio with black trim and an added spoiler on the bumper and a bumper sticker that read LCM on the left rear window. Then another witness came forward claiming that he too had seen someone that he believed was Linda in the passenger seat of a red sedan while riding his horse and buggy. So like the couple, this man also waved at her, but she did not wave back and she appeared static in the front seat, just staring straight forward. Multiple Amish women in the community also told police that they had seen that very vehicle circling the area on both Sunday, June 21st, the day Linda went missing, and the day before. By July 1st, 2020, the rumor mill was really working overtime in this tight-knit community, and police had to urge Leicester County residents, both inside and outside the Amish church, 
to stop spreading rumors about Linda and her disappearance and that they were doing everything that they could to bring resolution to her case themselves. And I I just kind of wonder what these theories or rumors even were, you know, like, what is there really to say about it? You know, they have video footage, they're looking into it. Uh, what, What else can you really say? Well, a lot of the rumors were really just about her leaving the Amish religion willingly and that she had gone off and kind of run away. And then the other rumors were really about her having officially been met with foul play. Whereas at this point in the investigation, police thoroughly believe that she had been abducted and likely been met with foul play, but they have not found her remains or any real physical evidence. All they have to go off right now is the video cameras, which are very, very useful. And as they dive into the moors we're about to get into, um, they find a lot more. But people just saying that she ran away from her religion and that she was met with foul play. It's like, hold your horses like we're working on it, you know. And right around this time is when a huge discovery was made because the police identified the suspicious vehicle as a red Kia belonging to Husto Smoker, who was a man living in Paradise, Pennsylvania, which is just about eight minutes southwest of Bird in Hand. Husto also worked in nearby Gap, Pennsylvania, located about 17 minutes away from where Linda was from. So on July 8th, 2020, investigators surveyed the area in which Husto worked, which was a water treatment center called Dutchland Inc., and observed his car parked outside, which was an exact match to the one in the surveillance footage. Police then tracked his movements and followed him home from work at 5.25 p.m. that day to his apartment on the Lincoln Highway. Then, the following day, police approached and spoke with Husto for the first time. But Husto, feigning ignorance, denied knowing or even having seen or heard of Linda and maintained that he had nothing to do with her disappearance. But surveillance footage was really beginning to prove him to be a liar. Because while they were reviewing video footage from the area, Husto's car could be seen pulled over on the side of Beachdale Road at 12.36 p.m. on the day that Linda went missing. Now, four minutes later, a young woman in white was seen walking along the opposite side of Beachdale Road. And as she passed, a figure emerged from the car and crossed the street approaching her. The two then walked back across the street to the vehicle together, and shortly after, they drove off. Now, back at the beginning of the investigation, just two days after Linda had vanished, police had responded to a call of a suspicious vehicle parked behind a business in Ronks, Pennsylvania, just down the road from Bird in Hand. This particular vehicle also matched the description of the vehicle that was captured on the security camera footage. The caller alleged that a man had walked around the building, peering inside the doors and windows, and then just left. The following day, the car could be seen there again. So, putting together the movements of this vehicle on the day of Linda's disappearance, with tips that had come in from various residents, police visited this business in which the caller claimed the car had been parked. And on July 10th, after surveying the area closely, the Pennsylvania State Police recovered some of Linda's clothing that was buried about seven inches into the ground, including her dark-colored stockings, which had been knotted together.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volix XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. For award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system. With fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. 
And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face. But now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, You can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Before that quick break, Heath told us that police found the clothes that Linda was believed to have been wearing on the day that she went missing. The recovery of the clothes was a devastating discovery, but it also led them one step closer to locating Linda. Her family confirmed that the buried clothing was the church clothing that she had been wearing that day, right down to her dark-colored stockings. The site of the discovery of her clothing was about three miles or close to five kilometers from where she disappeared. So it wasn't too far, but it was out of the immediate area. Now, accessing cell records for Justo Smoker, authorities were able to determine that he was in the vicinity of the Ronx area where Linda's clothing was found, making them believe even more that he was the one to bury them. While they still lacked the knowledge of Linda's whereabouts, they had enough circumstantial evidence to connect her disappearance to 34-year-old Justo Smoker. And let's dive into his past a bit here. So until the age of seven, he was living on the streets in the Dominican Republic, though some sources kind of differ on this. Like some say that he was actually from uh, Costa Rica. Some say the Dominican Republic. So we're not totally sure. But either way, after this, he was adopted by a Mennonite couple named Deb and Vernon Smoker. And by the way, I know a lot of people kind of group Amish and Mennonites together. Um, They did both uh, originate from the same religious movement, but Mennonite followers have kind of embraced a slightly more liberal stance on a lot of issues than the Amish, such as technology and electronics in the home, just to name a couple. 
So Justo's parents are not reportedly strict followers of the faith, but they did belong to the local Mennonite church. Growing up in Lancaster County, Justo was an all-state wrestler and a pretty decent student, but shortly after graduating high school, he started to lose his way. At the time of Linda's disappearance, Justo was still on probation from another string of crimes. At 20 years old, he and his brother Victor had committed a crime spree consisting of multiple burglaries and robberies. Between August 8th and 13th of 2006, so 14 years before Linda's abduction, the two had used BB guns to hold up multiple stores and farmers markets in the area. But basically the employees and the customers that were being threatened by the brothers were not aware that it was a BB gun. They thought it was a real gun, so they were terrified. And Husto was sentenced to 12 and a half years to 30 years in prison for this, but the judge explained to Husto and his family that he could have imposed a much worse sentence, but that he instead decided to construct a sentence for which, quote, society is protected, but that you could still come out and lead a reasonable life, you know, believing that Husto could be rehabilitated and possibly become an upstanding citizen after a hard stint in prison. But for what we know now, this is such a frustrating decision. Obviously, hindsight's 2020, but if he was only kept in prison, this would not have happened to Linda. So his parents were present at the trial and they were supportive of the judge's ruling and agreed that a lesson needed to be taught. Deb Smoker admitted in court that Husto had, quote, been trouble since we got him, but added that they would continue to be there for him during his sentence and that he had a large extended family and community at church to fall back on. Vernon echoed that he believed in serving an appropriate amount of time for crimes that he committed, but also kindly asked for justice. Husto himself said to the judge, quote, they raised me better than this. I'm sorry for what I did and the people I hurt, including my family, but I'm glad they're here. So with good behavior, he served the minimum prison term while his brother and co-conspirator Victor was released in 2016. But Husto was still on probation after his release, meaning he was required to adhere to a very strict set of rules. But still, he had been free for just 16 months when he abducted Linda. So in the case of Linda's disappearance with the odds stacked against him, Husto was arrested on July 10th, 2020, just three weeks after Linda's abduction. The district attorney announced his arrest the following day and also announced that they had reason to believe that she had been the victim of serious bodily harm, though they did not yet confirm how they knew this. Sadly, a couple weeks later on Monday, July 23rd, 2020, Fearing the worst, investigators halted all volunteer and community searches, and though they believed they had the man responsible for Linda's disappearance, they still didn't have Linda. And because of that, rumors just continued to circulate the small community, and of course people were really talking about Husto's arrest, and this actually revealed one particularly strange rumor that happened to be true. Linda and Husto were technically related. So one of Husto's adoptive grandparents had been born into an Amish home, and coincidentally, the two were third cousins, but you know, obviously not biologically related because of Husto's adoption. But technically, they were related distantly. So this likely didn't have any bearing on what happened to her. Like, I don't think they knew they were related, but it's definitely a really odd detail. 
At the one-month mark of Linda having gone missing, Justo was supposed to have a preliminary hearing, but with no remains, investigators were just at a complete loss. So police, the FBI, and the Leicester County District Attorney's Office continued to just beg the public for information and widely circulated the image of Justo's car and, of course, the photo of Linda, hoping to generate another tip. The last time the community had been rocked by a crime of this magnitude was 40 years prior, in a somewhat similar scenario. In New Holland, about 20 minutes from Bird in Hand, a 14-year-old girl vanished and was found murdered two months later. On July 31, 1980, Evelyn Fisher was summoned to clean the home of a 29-year-old man named Gerald Zimmerman. Evelyn was on summer break and she cleaned houses to supplement her family's income. And according to Gerald, he was moving out of a rental home just around the corner from where Evelyn lived with her family and needed to leave it in pristine condition, as, you know, all renters should. But the last time Evelyn's family saw her, she was rounding the corner walking toward Gerald's house. Later that day, a man now determined to be Gerald himself drove by the Fisher's home and asked her brother, who was in the front yard at the time, if he knew where his sister was. Now, by 6 p.m., so seven hours after she had left for the cleaning job, her family knew that something was wrong and reported her missing. But at this point, Gerald had had multiple run-ins with the police before he was even connected to the crime, so obviously this guy was a huge piece of shit before what he did to Evelyn. Police were called to his residence that evening, responding to a possible hostage situation, but found nothing out of the ordinary. Then, the following morning, police were called again when he was threatening to kill himself, and he was transported to a psychiatric hospital. Months later, on October 9, 1980, Evelyn's body was found in a wooded area on Rank Road in New Holland, so just down the street from where she lived with her family, which was actually on the same street that Gerald's home was. Police determined that Gerald had tied Evelyn up, transported her to the woods, beaten and assaulted her, and then left her there to die. With this discovery, Gerald was arrested and sentenced to life in prison. And as you can imagine, the case shook this small and usually very safe community, just like Linda's disappearance. And for the most part, things felt pretty safe for multiple decades, until Husto made the terrible decision to abduct 18-year-old Linda Stoltzfus. In late July of 2020, Evelyn's mother, Ruth Fisher, who was now in her 80s, visited the Stoltzfus family on their farm, paying tribute to their girls and commiserating about the horrors that they had experienced. After Linda's case was drawing comparisons to Evelyn's for their shocking nature, the Leicester County Commissioner responded, quote, Stranger abductions are very rare. Leicester County is a very safe county. But they do happen from time to time, and when it does, it's devastating and it's scary. On August 5th, Husto appeared in court for a preliminary hearing and prosecutors obviously had their work cut out for them with no body, but police had additional evidence. A zip tie found buried with Linda's clothing that was believed to have bound her hands. Search warrants for his phone records revealed that he had texted and called his brother repeatedly around the same time that Linda is believed to have been abducted. Based on all the evidence stacked against him by this point, Husto was officially charged with murder on Monday, December 21st, 2020. 
But this very cold and snowy winter made it increasingly difficult to continue searching for Linda's remains, though they felt confident that she was out there somewhere. Then, a team consisting of members of the East Lampeter Township Police, the FBI, and the Pennsylvania State Police located human remains. Now, while they needed to be tested to confirm their identity, the search party was certain that they belonged to Linda. And even more incriminating, they were found in the brush alongside a railroad track in Gap, Pennsylvania, right behind the water treatment center where Husto had worked. The following day, her family had their answer because confirmed by dental records, the remains were Linda's. So this guy didn't even go out of the way to take uh, Linda's remains to a different place. Yeah, I mean, like he it, just right behind where he worked. So ridiculous. I mean, luckily we don't you know we don't want him to have uh, hidden her remains far, but yeah, it, he there was right behind his work. So the Lancaster County District Attorney, who was Heather Adams, said, "Quote: In a preliminary review, the coroner has determined the remains are female, of relevant age." and dress and shoes are consistent to those worn by Linda on the day of her disappearance. Yesterday's discovery, while sad and shocking for some, it was a good day for law enforcement. It provided closure. That family can give their daughter a proper burial, and that's meaningful. She was found on railroad property wrapped in a tarp. Officials believe Smoker killed her within hours of the kidnapping and buried her where her bra and stocking were found along Harvest Road. They believe he then moved the body several days later to where it was found yesterday. Okay, so he did actually move the body, but that's the weird thing here is like he buried her in like a rural area. And then, you know, when police were kind of catching on to him, he dug her up and then literally moved her right behind where he worked. Yeah, exactly. This guy is an idiot. Well, on April 26, 2021, her family was finally able to lay her to rest in a proper ceremony where more than 100 people gathered at the Meyer Cemetery to memorialize her, and the street was lined with nearly 70 horses and buggies. Authorities determined that Husto had initially buried her body and clothing in the shallow grave in Ronks, Pennsylvania. But later, fearing discovery, like Heath said, he dug her body up and moved her to her resting place in Gap, but he left behind her clothing. An autopsy revealed that she had died of strangulation from a shoelace and that Husto had then stabbed her in the neck to confirm that she was dead which is just so horrifying and brutal. She was just walking home. Yeah. She had also been sexually assaulted during the attack against her. But back at the courtroom, Husto's lawyer built his defense around trying to evoke pity from the courtroom. And I fucking hate when this happens. So he explained that Husto had grown up with nothing in an orphanage and that he had been physically and sexually abused and that he had lost his birth mother at a young age. Which is horrible if true, but it doesn't give you the right to do those things to innocent people. No, it does not give you the right to kill someone. And while serving his sentence for the robberies, his sister passed away. So his attorney insisted that Husto was just someone who had lost his way, saying, quote, I still have a hard time coming to grips that the person I've come to know is the person charged with these heinous crimes. There's no logical explanation for what he did next. To this day, he wishes he could take it all back. It's just so frustrating to hear this because, 
Like, you committed some crimes, allegedly regretted it and apologized and said you knew better. Then you went to prison for 12 whole years. And then you get out and you do this to an innocent young woman. Like, I don't have sympathy for you, dude. Like, Yeah, zero sympathy. And then the fact that he's like, you know, oh, well, and you know, the first time he was arrested, it's like, oh, well, he came from this... Uh, you know, good religious family, and you know he's saying he's saying that he knows he messed up and that he was raised better than this. Let's you know, like take it easy on him. And it's like now he's trying to use the same excuse exactly in, in a murder trial. Yeah, it's like, like fuck you, dude. No, you don't get you don't get these two chances after two major fuck ups. Like you you rob people at gunpoint. Yes, it was a BB gun, but still, and you go to prison. Like I said, like. And then you just do something way worse and you're expecting people to feel sorry for you. Yeah, well, I mean, the defense is always going to kind of play that victim card for situations like this because, you know, that's their job. But it, it is very, very frustrating to see. So while not reflecting an actual diagnosis, his lawyer claimed that Husto was severely depressed and an alcoholic and that he had been drinking when he abducted Linda. The only aspect of that June day that Husto denied and continues to deny to this day is that of the sexual assault. Now, Husto read a statement at the trial that said, quote, I thought I would know what to say, but what words can I say other than I am sorry to Linda's family, the community, and my supporters. I robbed the family of time and memories. All I can say is I'm sorry. I was raised better than this. Yeah, you said that last time. Yeah, you did. I'm better than this. I was loved better than this. I am sorry, end quote. So no motive was ever discovered or at least not released, but it's been reported that Husto was struggling financially after being released from prison because this crime was clearly not motivated by potential financial gain. Tragically, it appears that Linda was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and that Husto saw the opportunity and he took it. Husto Smoker pleaded guilty to charges of violation of his probation, abuse of a corpse, tampering with evidence, possession of an instrument of crime, kidnapping, and murder. While initially declining involvement, he was offered a small reduction of his sentence in exchange for leading investigators to the body, so that is how they eventually found Linda's remains. On July 23, 2021, Husto was found guilty and sentenced to between 35 and a half and 71 years in prison. Linda's family declined to attend the trial, their lawyer stating on their behalf, quote, they are not here because it's too hard for them. Their lawyer added that forgiveness being a cornerstone of Amish faith, the family was working to forgive him for what he had taken away from them. Their bright and loving Linda. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And on Tuesday, we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. Thank you again to Madison and Morgan for recommending this case. 
Um, it's such a devastating story. We're so glad there's resolution, but just such a senseless crime. And if you guys have cases out there that you would like to see us cover, make sure that you email us, goingwestpodcast at gmail.com. We're always trying to catch up on those, but like I said, we have a list of hundreds of cases. We're always welcoming more, but it might take us a second to get back to you or to cover the case that you're recommending. Yeah, you know, this this was a really interesting case today because we don't often talk about um, the Amish community. I don't think we ever have. I don't think we ever have, yeah. And, and just how safe it normally and typically is and just how tragic it is that somebody took advantage of this young, innocent woman who uh, was just minding her own business. Absolutely agree. So thank you guys so much again for listening and we'll see you next week. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger. Oh,